Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Gear 30 on the Blister Podcast Network. I am Jonathan Ellsworth, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Now, before we get going here, we are very excited to tell you about our new podcast on the Blister Podcast Network. It is called Crafted. And the good thing is, is that for Gear 30 listeners, I can do this really shorthand. Basically, Crafted is like the Gear 30 of the craft world, not just sort of, you know, snow sports equipment stuff, but this is where we are diving deep into the world of craft and going to be exploring how things actually get made in the world of brewing and distilling and watchmaking and winemaking and probably knives, which is a wild one. And I can tell you there are some people in the ski world who are really obsessed with knives, like cutlery stuff. You know who you are, and we're probably going to out you at a later time. And so that's what we're doing. It's kind of the gear 30 of all of these other craft categories. And episode number one is live. That is with new image brewing founder, Brandon Caps. And I'm just going to say it again. I have never met anybody in my life that can talk about beer and making beer the way Brandon can. It's a little bit idiot savant style. And we say that with deep affection here at Gear 30. So please go check out Crafted. I think if you like Gear 30, you are going to love this because I know that many of you, like many of us, are very curious about how all these things work in all of these other little worlds that we like, beer and wine, etc. So Crafted, find it. It should be on the website. You can find it on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and whatever Google is calling their thing these days, Google Music or Google Play or Google Podcasts, I don't know, something like that. Um, But go get it, listen to it, tell us what you think, feel free to make recommendations for other craft categories, and um, we're really looking forward to this one. So, Crafted, check it out. Okay, now, I am sitting here in Blister Headquarters, in Elevation Hotel, in Mount Crested Butte, Colorado, with Luke Kappa, who is currently drinking a new image. What do you got right now? I have the East Coast Transplant uh, Vermont-style double IPA. It's so good. It is very good. Yeah. And I'm not usually a double IPA person. You are not. We know this about you. Um, well, Luke and I are here today to just grill Kara Williard. We, like we said, it's Shark Week. It's Shark Week at Blister, except the shark is Kara Williard. You might know Kara from this week's Blister podcast, where she and I did a bit of a deep dive on mountain towns and local food and local food systems. You also know Kara Williard from numerous appearances on Gear 30. Where else do people know Kara Williard from, Luke? Her numerous reviews on blisterreview.com. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Blisterreview.com. I've heard of that. Uh, That's that website with the URL, blisterreview.com, but Mm -hmm. it's the company's name is actually Blister, right? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like they should sort that out. It's really confusing. (laughs) (laughs) You should should send an email to the the managing editor. (laughs) Yeah, we'll do. Okay. Kara, this is going to be fun. This is long overdue. I can't wait to learn a lot of things about you, but also to just be reminded about a lot of things about you that I have surely forgotten. It 
it happens. It's the thing I do sometimes. Yeah, I'm super excited to be here. Bring it on. I'm not scared of you guys. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, we're going to try and actually keep score on this one. Oh, right. Which is, I think, my the main purpose of me being here. Yeah. <laughs> well, we like you too. But um, yeah, I messed it up a bit with Drew. Um, I also forgot to ask Drew the question of like, do you remember like the first time we met Drew? And I actually remember that one. Um, so anyway, so we're working on this. We're, we're just trying to get better and better, you know? Let's do this. Kara Williard. First of all, tell people a little bit about um, your background and where you grew up. All right. Well, I grew up in Santa Fe, New Mexico. I've heard of it. Yeah. Jonathan's quite familiar. Um, grew up actually outside of Santa Fe, New Mexico in a little subdivision called El Dorado. It's cool. It's kind of more spread out, deserty landscape. Had a lot of green belt behind my house growing up, which definitely was foundational to me getting outside and becoming who I am, getting on a bike early, things like that. Um, and then moved to Albuquerque when I was 12 and was kind of distraught. Mm. My parents broke the news to me and I was heartbroken. Mm. I wanted to be like a Santa Fe hippie kid forever, but <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately they moved me to the big city, but it was in the long run, a good decision on their part. What part of Albuquerque? Uh, up towards the East mountains. So, mm -hmm. um, grew up just like right under the foothills of the Sandia yeah. mountains, which those who are familiar, they're awesome as far as access for both biking, climbing, hiking, anything you could possibly do. It's a really cool area as far as cities go. So aside from being an aspiring hippie, what else were you into as a kid? I think I was an interesting mix of like a super crafty, introverted kid. I was super into reading. I always had a book in my hands. And then the other side of that was like always going outside um, with my younger brother. We had friends that lived right across the green belt from us. My mom had a huge dinner bell that she would ring every night around dinner. And we had like 15 minutes to get home. And if we weren't home, we were in major trouble. Wow. But it was great. We could just take our bikes and go for miles. There was some great dirt jumps back there. So it was kind of like my uh, pseudo entry into mountain biking. Um, but then the other side was just like this crafty, introverted girl who loved reading. My friends and I, my best friend actually, we started a little company uh, when I was in first grade called Pressed Pals. And we pressed flowers and turned them into bookmarks and other cra uh, cards and things like that. And we would set up at the little Agora shopping center and sell our homemade goods. Wow. Do you have any uh, of those bookmarks? Oh, yeah. My mom still uses her Pressed Pals bookmarks <laughs> to this day. And sometimes I go to stores and I see these like pressed uh, flower cards for sale for like $15. And I'm like, maybe I should have stuck with this. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Do you, can you still make them? Like what do Luke and I have to do to get a pressed pals, like new, not, not vintage. I want new, freshly pressed pals. Yeah. I could probably pull it off. You just have to get flowers, press them in like a nice, like, I don't know. It's something that kind of cinches the flowers, keeps them dry, keeps them nice and flat until they're completely dried out. And then you find different ways to attach them to different, uh, papers and things like that. So mm -hmm. we'll see what I can pull off for okay. you guys. You have twice now called yourself an introvert. Yeah. You are not an introvert, <laughs> Luke. Yeah, I would, I would, for once, agree with Jonathan on that. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? When did? I don't know. It kind of goes back and forth because I think in some settings I'm pretty extroverted. This is like the people who know me from like boot fitting or like my sales customer service side. 
I'm pretty extroverted, but when it comes to just like, I kind of have to do my own thing. I always have to recharge and have alone time. Um, so there's sides of me that are introverted and uh, it just depends on the setting, but I still would say I'm a extra introverted extrovert maybe. <laughs> I feel like everyone has certain elements of both of them to a degree. Yeah. Okay, question. If like uh, the three of us, we'll put this to the three of us. If the three of us had to spend an entire week in like seeing not another person, who of the three of us do you think would be like either most excited about that or like they wouldn't freak out or something? I don't think it's Luke. I think Luke is... I was going to say it was Luke or or myself. Yeah, I was going to say me or Kara. Definitely not you. (laughs) I think it's me. I would be stoked on that. I would be stoked on that. I guess the objective here is to get Jonathan to unplug from everything for yeah, a week yeah. and see how it goes. The real, like the, the odds that that would actually be able to happen. Right. Yeah. Seems I feel like pretty low for you. Pretty low. It might be really good for you though. Yeah. I did a solo, just solo overnight camping trip earlier this spring and it was fantastic. Yeah. I've done a lot of solo camping and I'm made for it. My last solo camping was in South Dakota. Yeah. It's been is that true? No, that's not. That was like for a longer stint. I've done shorter stints. Um, I also spent like two days in a monastery on the south side of Chicago, like a silent monastery. Oh, the silence. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, that was all right. I mean, I'd <laughs> kind of rather do it in like nature. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, all right. Wow. So all three of us think that we would do. That's kind of that's kind of surprising. All right. Um, but you could handle it. You'd be good in that week, solo week. I think so. I, I mean, when I just came back from Alaska, I had COVID and I was at my house by myself because my partner's in New Zealand and I uh, I was very alone and it was so nice. <laughs> had the chickens though. <laughs> yeah, chickens. you have all the chickens in your therapy chicken, Gandalf. <laughs> yeah, true. And I was talking to her a lot. So. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Mentioned a younger brother. Tell us the sibling situation. All right. Well, I'm the oldest of four. Um my younger brother, Nate, he is in some ways my older brother. He's always been like better at everything than me. He kind of like teaches me how to, you know, ski better, bike better. Um, he just does these epic things and he's really inspirational to me. Um, and then I have two younger sisters under Nathan. And yeah, I mean, we're all pretty close. I think we're all very different, but um, I love being the oldest. I think it's a role that I've taken very seriously. Um, and yeah, my siblings are great. Were you the sort of older sibling that made all the mistakes so that the younger siblings, they got it easier (laughs) than you did? Such a good question, Luke. Yeah. So there's this interesting dynamic in which my parents were so strict with me and I rebelled so hard. And I think that not only changed their parenting style, it also taught my siblings like, wow, we want nothing to do with this this chick who's like pushing her limits all the time. <laughs> wow. And so I was definitely, um, yeah, I was definitely the most rebellious. I got in the most trouble. I really pushed it with my parents. There were some very deep, uh, dark days during high school where <laughs> there was like some fighting, lots of like, you're grounded for six months type, like trying to take it to these measures. And so I think my siblings just saw that and they're like, cool, we, have, we really don't need to go there. We can just learn from Kara. So, um, yeah, you're welcome. (laughs) Okay. Well, 
first of all, you know we are grading you on this, right? And before you said this last thing, I was going to tell Luke that we should probably have or force Kara to rank her siblings like we, like I did to you. Yeah. But now I think instead of that, what we should do is like say, what's the worst thing you did in high school? That you can talk about. No, just the, that you even you can't talk about. This is for points. Keep in mind. Um. Okay, got it. So my junior year, my best friend and I convinced the off camp, like the sec- security cop on our <laughs> campus that we were seniors. And so every single day for an entire year during junior year, we left campus at lunch to do, oh, I don't know, sick. some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it was, you know, it was semi harmless, semi not. We had fun. It was great. And then the next year, I'm actually a senior and he just like confronts us. He's like, what the hell happened? I thought you guys graduated last year. And so then we just had to convince him that we had failed and we're here to do our senior year once more. I don't know. I mean, I always think about like Breaking Bad was filmed in Albuquerque. So comparatively, (laughs) I don't know. For those of you that have seen Breaking Bad and think people who grew up in Albuquerque or our lives resemble any of that, it does not. So you don't, you didn't start a meth lab (laughs) when you were in high school. That's why you were grounded for six months. Please do not use Breaking Bad as your reference to Albuquerque. <laughs> Everybody uses Breaking yeah. Bad yeah. as their reference. Breaking rep- Bad put Albuquerque on the map. Yep. Yep. <laughs> for better and for worse. Uh, that was not, you're going to get like not great points. I, I was expecting more. You said it got dark. That was not a okay, very dark. Sorry. Luke's like psyched on that story. He's like, he yeah. likes you more. I would have loved to like, we, we only got open campus during lunch for the last semester of our senior Oof. year. So having that all the way through junior year yeah. would have been sweet. Two whole years. It was great. College. Did you go? <laughs> I did go to college. New Mexico has this awesome program where all of the m- lottery money gets pooled into scholarship funds mm-hmm. for college um, if you go in-state as a resident. And I really didn't want to go to in-state college in New Mexico. I was so ready to leave New Mexico. I applied to a bunch of different schools. I was like dreaming of going to Fort Lewis. I just thought it'd be so cool to live in Durango. I was ready to leave New Mexico. And this was kind of prior to the uh, point in my life where I had started to appreciate New Mexico. So it was just like, I think that like thing where you don't appreciate the place where you're from Mm -hmm. until maybe you grow up or look back or whatever it may be. And so uh, didn't get to go out of state, ended up at UNM and... It was awesome. It was actually through those years is when I learned to appreciate New Mexico. I got a, it was a liberal arts degree in sustainable community development. So I used their sustainability studies program, which wasn't offered as a major yet, um, and integrated it with a few other programs like American studies and geography and just kind of built this pathway that made perfect sense for me and what my interests were. I actually entered college as a philosophy major, um, spent two years under that realm and was loving it. But I also felt like it was kind of lacking on some like the farming sustainability stuff that I was really interested in. You're like, this is weird. (laughs) They're not talking about farming at all in this (laughs) philosophy class. Yeah. So it just wasn't quite, quite doing it for me. Although the reading and the writing and the, you know, analyzing and critical thinking part of the philosophy was great but the actual like how do i bring this to the issues i care about it seemed a little far-fetched you're like what does cartesian epistemology (laughs) have to do with chicken tractors (laughs) yes exactly okay 
Wow. So we almost had almost had you as a philosophy major. That would have, in keeping with my like, you know, bias toward philosophy majors, that would have made you my favorite reviewer. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm always like, dang, Jonathan would like me more. (laughs) Yeah. 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 You were so close. Ah, shoot. All right. So you almost were an awesome philosophy major, but you weren't then. Um, So we should switch topics quickly. Um, Sports. Aside from dirt jumping your bike when you were a little aspiring hippie, what other sports were you into as a kid? And apparently we're into college years now. So talk about that. All right. Well, we were a big soccer family. I played soccer my entire life, as did all my siblings. Um, Actually, three out of the four of us were goalkeepers. So that was just kind of a huge part of our family culture was like really being big advocates for goalkeeping and we'd like go to goalkeeper summer camps and we'd just be like diving in the grass like a hundred times a day and just like beating our bodies up it's like super weird (laughs) it's weird uh it's a amazing it's like my it's still my favorite position i think it's so cool as far as i think it gets underrated a lot of people think it's like not that athletic and then realistically it's just like you have to be the fastest person on the field for a short distance i Um, loved when i at the end of my last JV season playing soccer, they let me play goalie for huh. like two like two halves of the last two games. Huh. And it was so much fun. Huh. <laughs> yeah. It is fun. It's a lot of pressure. It's so much pressure. Um, I had like several concussions. <laughs> I was always had huge bruisey scabs mm-hmm. on my hips. I broke my nose, cracked some ribs. Um, so yeah, I was pretty, I mean, you get pretty beat up as a goalkeeper. And then of course my brother was like the number one goalkeeper in the state in New Mexico. And I was trying to just like live in his shadow, but he was so cool. He was always rooting for me and teaching me different techniques. And so loved soccer. Um, that was just a big part of it. I eventually quit my senior year. It was just too much pressure. Cause when you're playing soccer like that, you're playing club in the spring, yeah high school in the fall, 3v3 in the summer, and indoor in the winter, and it's just this year-round thing. And that's kind of around the same time that I was like, wait, I really want to ski more. So that's kind of, I mean, skiing started to take hold and become the number one. Can I add a bonus question? Yes. Rank the worst smells. Goalie gloves, mountain bike knee pads, and ski boots after like a full season. Oh, it's so easy. Um, For those who aren't too familiar with goalkeeping, like, you kind of have it's like this part of the goalkeeping culture is you spit in your gloves <laughs> so what? Gross. Yeah. what yeah Yeah. so to make your gloves more tacky you just constantly hawking loogies in on them <laughs> on them and they're like the absorbent foam so <laughs> not loogies <laughs> depends oh my on God. how your sinuses are <laughs> all right this is making me sound so gross i don't think okay well anyways yes that is what people goalkeepers do and for, Wait a, a minute! Doubt, Not goalie gloves are the smelliest piece of Wait, equipment. Wait, spit is different than mucus. <laughs> I mean, it depends if you have like a bunch of. If you're super congested, you're probably coughing up yeah, some mucus. Yeah, and I'm allergic to grass, so like it turns to mucus, and you're just spitting yeah, what you I have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, soccer can be gross. Yeah, shin guards are really smelly. It's oh slow. yeah, shin guards are brutal too. <laughs> Wait, what were your three? So it was goalie gloves, mountain bike knee pads, or a ski boot after like a full season. It, it's not the ski boots even for people weird people that like don't pull their liners out of their ski boots okay and to be fair as a boot fitter there's been boots that have come into the shop where i'm like hell no like this <laughs> is you can't you have to leave it's like really you have, yeah like you have too many sweaty days in this boot for us <laughs> to work on it so ski boots can be a close one 
this is the grossest episode of reviewing <laughs> the reviewer we've ever had. Yeah, sorry guys. Um, wow. Okay. How, what, how did she do on your? I don't even know how we're going to score that as a subsection of this massive. I mean, overall, I was a fan. Um, I, in terms of the siblings thing, I am not the oldest, but I had to basically serve the same role as Kara because my older brother is a saint. Um, and so I got to make all the mistakes and get punished for them. Uh, so I relate to that. Thanks, Luke. Uh, relate. Did- I played soccer all throughout high school as well. So, wow. I don't know. You You're both- the one who's scoring it though. Yeah. Well, and we have, we still need to learn more about the ski side. So like, when did you start skiing? Started when I was about eight. My dad is such a diehard ski bum that like never really got to live out that part of his life. He came from, he's from Ohio. He moved to New Mexico when he was 17 for college and mostly moved out here because he just wanted to ski more. He had done like infrequent trips his entire life with his dad because they both loved skiing but never got to do it enough. And so um, he got me, I mean, into it relatively early. I don't think our family ever skied as much as we wanted to for different reasons. I think there's just some barriers um, at times economically, other times soccer obviously takes up so much time. And it kind of was in high school where I actually joined a nonprofit in Albuquerque called New Mexico Extreme Sports. And their entire objective is taking city kids out um, on affordable ski trips. And so that was really cool. It's kind of what like I'd always gone skiing with my dad like quite a bit every year not as much as I wanted to but um you know I had a decent foundation he had kind of always been the dad that was like follow me down this and like suddenly we're standing at the top of a run that's like maybe a little over our head and so I really appreciate my dad for always pushing it um and kind of yeah inspiring us to do better he's just like such a solid skier and to this day he's my favorite person to ski with um but in high school when I joined NMX it was like my own coming into the sport and so I had like great friend and friends and community through NMX um they would take us on like multi-day trips to like Monarch or just all these different ski areas and it was so fun to get out there with friends and kind of I got like it briefly into park skiing because I was just like such the thing to do it okay that. wait <laughs> we have I've never heard about your what park what skiing. era like what year range oh is this? this would be like um 2007 so this is like peak like peak? super baggy oh clothes. yeah yeah I mean I was nice. like in my tall tees like <laughs> I had like the Solomon SPK boots I just thought I was like so cool because okay if <laughs> In order to get a good score in this segment, you have to give us one or two photos that we're putting on social. Oh, my God. I only have one photo, and it's me, like, completely eating shit on a box. That'll, that'll do. We'll <laughs> <laughs> accept that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's this shop in Albuquerque called Twin Tip Nation, and they only sold Twin Tip skis. And it just – suddenly skiing was cool because my whole life I had been made fun of for being a skier. All my friends were snowboarders. Mm-hmm. It was that time where snowboarding was the cool thing mm-hmm. and skiing was so lame. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of adopted into the like tall T culture and had my twin tips. And yeah, I sucked at park skiing, but it at least made me like feel really cool <laughs> and just kind of like adopt my own identity into skiing um, aside from with my dad or just like what my friends made fun of me for. So, so you broke your ribs as a goalie 
did you ever break your ribs park skiing? Thankfully not. I like definitely got some injuries. I was skiing boots that were like way too big. Like <laughs> no doubt at this point in my life, I really sucked at skiing. Like I had not formed a good, I, I could like get down runs, but I don't think I had ever had like the racing background, like where yeah. technically I was so sound. And yeah. so it was really just a matter of like throwing myself into it yeah. and like getting like huge raspberries on my hips and um you know eventually i just kind of moved past that phase thankfully but um or what maybe not thankfully because it would have been really cool had i actually become a good park skier but i kind of went a different direction eventually i mean we have a terrain park here at cbmr yeah we're past those days that era has i don't know i feel like is there a way to forest Kara into <laughs> maybe the, that's the, the, the final review like our prizes for getting reviews of the podcast yeah after that's we exactly go, what i was thinking after we go heli mono skiing in alaska but i think that means you also have to do yeah. it no jonathan and Kara no. do a park segment i love it let's do this yeah and me and <laughs> me and dylan have to like go ski a world cup downhill course or something like that hmm. okay let us know. Let us know what you think. I I want to see the Kara Park segment. I don't want to be in the <laughs> Kara Park segment, but um, okay. And then I guess the last progression to that is I started working at a ski shop when I was seventeen, and that just like really got me in. And that was in Albuquerque. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. And then why did you start working in a ski shop? You just needed needed some money, needed a job. You're like, why don't I do the ski I was, shop? I was so into skiing at that point, and I just felt like I couldn't like afford it or access it. And Uh so I was like, this is my way in. Like at that point we had great deals from the shop to like, we got a bunch of free passes, obviously like getting discounts on gear was huge. Um, and I just kind of wanted to like involve skiing into my life as much as I possibly could. And I felt like going the ski shop route was a great way to do that. Hmm. So entered into the ski shop world at 17. Mm -hmm. Okay. This is pretty good. We need this last. This is, yeah, our number one question has 87 questions within it. We really need to work on the format of this. Yeah, they're not weighted evenly whatsoever. No, no. So there's still time for you to blow this question. Cool. Um, So when did you start getting into the actual boot fitting world? Were you like forced into that? Because one day they're like, all our, none of our boot fitters showed up and like said, we need you to like, pretend that you know what you're doing or was it more formal than that um a little bit of both so at that point I started skiing more I was getting a lot better I kind of was like moving past the park dreams and just like park dreams <laughs> the park dreams like that's gonna be the title of her <laughs> park segment Kara's <laughs> park dreams started uh going to Taos a bunch um which was awesome I had gone a bit as a kid but it wasn't as accessible as like Santa Fe ski basin mm-hmm. so I started going to Taos more I think I was just getting like a more solid foundation in my skiing and becoming just like really, really immersed in the ski industry. Like I was just watching ski movies all the time and it was kind of like my number one thing. Like I had a huge collage in my room of just like pictures of skiing and it's I was obsessed. And so um started as a cashier at this shop and kind of was like interested in moving into ski sales, but it took about like a year and a half. And I was just trying to, like, learn everything I could about skis. Like, I just remember, like, looking at the wall of skis and it just was, like, unreadable to me. It was really hard to, like, understand all the differences. And so I just remember feeling, like, so foreign to it. Um, But then started moving into ski sales. 
and they just started needing more boot fitters. And I actually had a female ski manager at the time. She's like one of the only female bosses I've ever had in my 12 years in ski retail. And she was like, it would be awesome if we brought you into boot fitting. And so hmm. I was like, yeah, that sounds interesting. Um, it's It was just so much to learn. It was like a little bit intimidating. But um, within like a year, I got sent to master fit mm-hmm. and that was exceptional just to get like the full foundation to boot fitting mm-hmm. um, because they kind of have like the intro class. It's like, here's everything you need to know. I remember feeling, well, everything you need to know to know the very, very basics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I remember feeling like <clears throat> a little overwhelmed, but um, it was really interesting to me and I wanted to just keep pursuing it. And so I spent about four years boot fitting at that shop and actually provided like a really decent foundation um, to kind of grow my skills, just get experience. I think a big part of boot fitting is just like seeing a lot of feet, seeing a lot of different occurrences of like different things going on because you can like learn all the like textbook knowledge, but it doesn't really matter if you've only seen a couple feet. You really have to start to like see every individual scenario and like understand how it all comes together. Bonus question. Who's got the best feet at blister? What do you mean by best? I don't, yeah. know. I don't know. It's open to interpretation. <laughs> the most conundrum-y, challenging foot, Luke, for sure. <laughs> so that's the worst feet. And probably the <laughs> ugliest, too. You Maybe. Your toenails look gnarly right now. No, that's all Your thanks to ski boots. Like, yeah, Jonathan's foot is clearly a gift. I mean, you just like put these boots on and it's super good and you have your custom insoles and they're like, 12 years old but they're super good old. <laughs> super old and like kind of ripping in half, in half. <laughs> have you seen that? <laughs> yeah um so jonathan's yeah, got foot privilege yeah you do except for my six toes those suckers yeah, those are, are getting those are that looks bad those suckers very, very calcified yeah very calcified that's really it though good um on. and i guess another part to the boot fitting was like i was having really bad boot problems huh. i was like why do i like there's just like certain like blocks to my skiing that I could not get past and I just was so frustrated sometimes I was just so mad at myself I was like why do I suck so bad and then I started to learn about boot fitting and I started to look at my foot and I was like oh there's some stuff going on here so I think that was another drive too is just being like I'm really like I'm having a ton of pain in my boots I feel like I suck at skiing when I'm skiing these boots and like what's going on and those came together and I was able to start addressing my own issues so in some ways, that probably also encouraged me to go the boot fitting route. That's why Luke's going to become a boot fitter. No, I've got Kara. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> right, right. Are we ready to end question one? I think so. Or did I, what did we, I don't think we missed any of the standard stuff in that one. Okay. So, so I mostly like, oh, I did want to also know when you went in to get your first job at the ski shop when you were 17, did you walk in wearing a tall tee? <laughs> no. Oh. That would have gotten the bonus points. <laughs> I'm going to give you like an eight and a half for that. Thank you. I liked the weirdest part of the story. Well, I mean, learning about snot on goalie gloves <laughs> was the most disturbing part. But hearing about you and your family, like diving onto grass, <laughs> practicing to be goalies and probably breaking ribs in the process. Yeah, it's a physical position. Yeah, um, that's something else. I wish we had footage of that. And I'm going to give you an eight and a half, but this score is going to zero if you forget to give us the photo before we post this. Yep. Okay. All right. Next question. Do you remember the first time you and I met? Very clearly. Okay. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay, <laughs> go on. Um, yeah, so after my years in Albuquerque, I was so ready to ski bum. Like my only goal when I finished college is like I need to ski over a hundred days in a. So, the day I finished my last final at UNM, I moved to Taos the same day. Um, I had already lined up a job at the Boot Doctors at Taos Ski Valley, and they were super stoked to bring me on just because I had been to MasterFit and mm-hmm. I had a few years' experience under my belt. And they definitely were at another caliber. Like every fitter on the bench when I arrived had between 14 and 32 years of experience. Mm-hmm. And I had like four years of experience. So uh-huh. I was like, hi. Uh-huh. Um, so I was at the Boot Doctors in Taos. I think it was my second, maybe third, nah, maybe second winter there. And um, had just kind of like really gotten immersed in that Taos ski scene. And I'm actually surprised I didn't meet you sooner. Yeah. Um, but it was just a late night at the Boot Doctors. And <laughs> I was very, like, I was familiar with Blister at that time. We had some of the buyer's guides on our boot fitting bench, and I was always flipping through it. And I was like, this is so cool. So I had some familiarity. And uh, Charlie Bradley, who was like mm-hmm. the senior boot fitter, yeah. like the guy who's taught me more about boot fitting than most others, mm-hmm. um, was there talking to you. And you had brought like a couple pairs of boots, and you guys were chatting it up and he was doing some boot work for you and then he kind of like needed me to back up back him up and help a little bit so I started talking to you and then I think Charlie was just like you know who should review for you and he like pointed to me and I was like what (laughs) (laughs) and so I was so excited I was like oh man I've made it like this is a dream (laughs) and uh I think we like ended up getting together for beers later that evening or something because you just wanted to tell me more about blister and what you were up to at that time and so we had some beers at the Edelweiss. Mm-hmm. That's we had established that's where it was. Yep. I had forgotten. And um, we're just talking for a while. And then I didn't hear from you for a few weeks. Um, <laughs> but then you hit me up like five o'clock one night and you're like, hey, we're doing these quiver articles. Can you have one done by tomorrow morning? <laughs> what year was this? Was 2017, this like 2017. Okay. You were you were involved. Yeah. I can't even think what my involvement was at that point. But yeah, I think I remember when we brought you on. Yeah, so I wrote, I was like, oh my God, I have to write this quiver this, article. I thought, I thought Luke would appreciate it. I'm trying to do, I'm not that great at it yet, but the whole, hey, could you write a ski quiver article? We need it tomorrow morning. Perfect. It was yeah. honestly like, I think a great initiation because hmm. I had to like go home, sit down, think about it, come up with it. And you're like, I mean, you gave me some critique, but you're like, not half bad. And I was like, okay, cool. That's and like an A++ from, <laughs> from coming from Jonathan. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, man, maybe I can do this. And at this point, you know, I was like, I had like a lot of ski days under me. I had started, to, I mean, I've been in the ski industry for like six years at this point. So I had mm-hmm. skied a lot of different skis. Yeah. I was always demoing skis from the boot doctors. So I felt like I was like in a pretty good place to just pull off this quiver article, thankfully. It worked out really well um, because I hadn't tested anything. I'd just been kind of doing my own, like, here's what all the different skis of the season are. Mm -hmm. And so it worked out really well. And, yeah, I think you, like, group texted me with Luke and you're like, hey, Kara just wrote this article. I think it's ready to go for tomorrow. And Luke was like, cool. (laughs) So that would have been – so you met 17-18 season and then wrote the Quiver article for the – because we do them in the fall. Or maybe, yeah, it was the fall of like maybe 2018. So we probably met 20. Let's know. This makes me feel better. Because I'm (laughs) I'm just like, 
I have I sometimes feel like I have blister like induced Alzheimer's. <laughs> but if you can't remember either, that makes me feel better. Yeah, I think the the first time I met Kara was when we did a sh- we was it Telluride? No, oh. really? I thought it was Taos. No, that Taos was after. That Telluride. was after. Okay. Well, then yeah. I, I won't okay, well, wait, any, related any question. Do you remember the first time you met Luke? For Sounds sure. like you do. Yeah, it was Telluride. I was like, dang, Luke is really cool. <laughs> I don't know about that. That must have been one of the early trips then. It was twenty. It was whatever the worst year on record was. 2018? That was... That was the year we went to Telluride. Oh, I'm lost. But I do, I clearly remember Kara f- fixing my boots at Taos yeah. uh, huh. during that trip. So I think that's why the one stands out more. Gotcha. <laughs> Okay. All right. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you an eight on that one. Um, okay. We need to start getting into some ski and bike preferences here, but we really haven't talked at all about mountain biking and that whole side. Cause that's like a side too. So let's sort of, we'll do a, give a bit of the backstory here and then we'll maybe start moving into a bit of like some mountain bike preferences, if that's all right. You've talked now well about your ski stuff. When did you really start getting more and more into bikes and kind of like not just dirt jumping as a little <laughs> kid, but like actually yeah. riding single track and stuff? Yeah, so I had like my dirt jumping like on my Walmart bike childhood phase. That was pretty awesome. Dropped biking for quite a few years for soccer. And I was like really into running and trail running and hiking through high school And then I joined in at the ski and bike shop when I was 17 and it had a really huge bike side. And first I was like, well, biking seems pretty cool. I don't really have anything that occupies my summers that's as fun as skiing. I was kind of living for the winters at that point. And also I was like, wow, I really also want year round employment with this shop. So it'd be great Mm. if I started to know more about bikes. Um, so I started, we would do like, it was a really good, uh, ski shop culture at that point. Like we had a group of people who were always riding and always skiing together. And so like every Sunday they'd go for rides and one day I just jumped on and ended up, um, yeah, like riding some like pretty aggressive trails just right off, like right as I got into biking, it was like, Hey, this is where we're going. Do you think you can hang? And I was like, I don't know. So just started like demoing bikes from the bike shop and kind of just getting thrown into it. And I always say like the most injured I've ever been is when I was learning to mountain bike. So I was like mountain biking with all these mountain bikers who go all the time and they were just taking me on whatever trail. And yeah, so I was like, I mean, I was like over the bars, like massive crashes. It was, it was a rough time, but I loved it. Um, pretty quickly. I was like, this is so much fun. And I just started to learn a bunch about it and ended up working in the bike shop uh, several of those summers and eventually like got my own bike and yeah, it's just, uh, it became like my summer thing pretty quickly. So it was, it was awesome. And then, um, just like rode more and more throughout college anytime I could. And then ended up that trip, uh, Telluride trip we were just talking about, ended up meeting Sasha on that trip. And that's when you met Sasha. (laughs) Yeah. My God. And she's like, what are you doing this summer? And I was like, I honestly don't know. I had kind of wrapped up some work in my aunt's farm and didn't really know what my next thing was. And so she was like, I think you should work for Western Spirit as a bike guide. And I was like, 
that sounds perfect. Like, I want to ride a bunch. I want to see new places. I think I'd be a pretty good guide. I really like taking care of people and their needs. And so, yeah, Sasha, full credit, like, is the reason I ended up working for Western Spirit Hmm. as a mountain bike guide. Definitely, like, one of the most fun jobs I've ever had. Um, Western Spirit does, like, multi-day mountain biking trips all across the Western U.S. and got to, like, yeah, go ride bikes in Oregon and Washington and Idaho and all over the desert of Utah. And so that was just a really fun way to get even more into biking and, um, yeah, kind of explore the guiding world as well. Good thing that Telluride trip happened. My God. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still trying to figure out which one it was. (laughs) (laughs) And then it's like, it was the Telluride trip. We did, we've we done did a few. several oh, okay. yeah. and we did multiple of that it was the one in 2018. Joey. Oh, with Joey. Okay. And conditions were really rough. It okay. was like very low snow. Yeah. I was actually like looking through drive to <laughs> look at the photos to try and figure out which one it was because it's bothering me how bad my memory is of yeah. that spring. Yeah. And so shout out to Sasha. She's the reason I got into Western Spirit. Western Spirit is how I met Zach. Oh, right. Yeah. So I've actually given Jonathan credit. You have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's right. I'm bringing people together here, even though Luke and I can't remember anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't matter. I remember. That's <laughs> good. One of us does. Okay. That's pretty good. I, I suspect maybe you'll have a little less to say about this part, but like bike preferences in general, without going like deep dive on this, talk a little bit about, I don't know, I guess for riding around here in the Gunnison Valley wheel size are you a 27.5 person are you a 29 are you a mullet what are you doing you're still on your 26 inch (laughs) taking it back i'm intrigued by mullets have yet to really ride or have like a ton of experience on them i am definitely a 29er girl Mm -hmm. i just had to reaffirm that because i spent some more time on 27.5s recently and i was like no i love my 29er um i have a lot more to explore in the bike world i'd love to get on some more current bikes i'm currently like I have like 3,000 miles on my 2019 Specialized Stump Jumper Comp. It works really well for me. Um, and yeah, it's it's been a great bike. I've had like basically that bike in three different versions as my last like three bikes. So gotcha. I'm a little bit limited, but really open to bikes. I feel like I know enough about like bike geometry and components and everything like that to be able to kind of apply some of my review thinking towards bikes, but haven't fully explored that yet. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about some ski gear preferences. Where do you want to start? Um, I mean, it all comes down to the boots for me. (laughs) Weird. (laughs) (laughs) I like, I feel like I have a pretty particular foot. You guys will hear me talk about it. I've like broken bones in my foot. I have a super rigid arch, super high arch, really limited ankle joint. Um, I have some stance issues. I'm like three degrees high side outside on my stance, meaning I'm like really heavy on my inside edge. And so boots make a huge difference for me. And typically if my feet are happy and I've done everything I need to within a boot to feel good, then like I'm good because I've also experienced like such extreme boot pain that like it's unbearable. It makes me just want to stop skiing altogether. And so I think if I can resolve my boot issues, I really don't care about that much else. And if I would have to get really particular, I guess I'd say I'm the most particular about my custom insoles. I have myself and probably Charlie Bradley are the only people that can make insoles for my foot that have ever felt good. I've like also had insoles built that are a little not right and it can be excruciating. So I think there's a lot of nuances 
just with custom insoles. And so I probably have like 10 pairs that are like exactly so. And that's, that's it for me. You have 10 pairs. Yeah. I like, I have some in my shoes and my hiking shoes. And Oh, you go custom (laughs) insole for everything. Not quite, but when you work at a boot fitting shop and it's a slow day, like Mm -hmm. what do you do? You You build an insole for yourself and yeah. Have you, you haven't ever built me an insole. No, but we should because yours are starting to crack. And totally crack. Yeah. I know, but it's still, that's the one I love the most. It's still the same product that the boot doctors use as well. I've had two, I've had a number made for me. I have two. Yeah. That one, number one, that's like cracking out. And then Sven Coomer, oh, yeah. founder of ZipFit. That was like a cool day. Like when Sven's making you a custom yeah, footbed, so cool. you're like, okay, this is, and that, that with those zip fits, my, my world cup Gara's is a, that's, I don't ever change those out. Yeah. Um, so match. I think you need to make Luke and me both. And then if they're to. not perfect, then we come back and take all of your points away for the episode. Tara made me a pair and I lost I them. Yeah, you did. When I, I was at Taos. I think I just changed Fixed or maybe you just added some material to it. Yeah. We've already established and that Luke I, has no yeah. memory. <laughs> and then on that note, I accidentally shipped them out with a pair of boots that we had to send to someone else. <laughs> so if you're yeah. listening to this, can you please send those insoles back? <laughs> yeah. Who did they go to? I, who knows? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. We need to be... I'm feeling better about myself in my memory, but <laughs> yeah. I'm now w- really concerned about I'm, Luke. Yeah. I'm worried about what my memory is going to turn into. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. Pray, pray for us. Plus your effect. <laughs> Please pray for us. Um, okay. All right. Well, I guess you answered the question. You only care about ski boots. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think, Luke? I feel like that's a pretty good answer. <laughs> wow. Okay. Luke's feeling generous. <laughs> I'm going to give you like a six. Because it was so obvious, right? Yeah, it was pretty obvious. Yeah, and because you have foot privilege. Yeah, so he's like, oh. (laughs) Foot privilege. (laughs) I mean, I'm not going to, yeah, I'm not going to come up with another answer. Like, take my boots away and I'm not, I'm not going skiing. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah. (sighs) Okay. All right. I guess I'm just a lot more particular about skis. All right. This is going to, time to, you know, go a bit quicker here. Who is your favorite reviewer at Blister? Oh, I, I just love, I love my girls, Kristen, Sasha. We like get together for these like women's content meetings. Uh-huh. And we're literally just on FaceTime for like three hours, like laughing, drinking. It's just so, <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. Quote unquote women's content. <laughs> it just sounds like a remote Zoom drink fest. <laughs> don't get me wrong. Sounds They're productive. Sometimes there's rants. Sometimes we really get into it. Other times it's just hilarious. Like Sasha's always keeping us laughing. Kristen and I, we go back and I don't know. I just think like I have to, I have to stick up for the girls um, on the blister side when it comes to this question. Predictable. Seven. I think I crashed one of the women's content meetings. I only won. I should, (laughs) I need to, I need to try to, you know, we haven't done one in a while, so Kristen and Sasha, let's get it together. Yeah, seriously. Hop back on. And then maybe I'll crash it. Like I now crash our <laughs> Twister publication weekly meetings. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, hey guys, Jonathan's coming. Cut <laughs> <laughs> to derail the meetings. Okay, enough on that. Do you have a favorite skier? Yeah, I uh, 
I mean, I watch a lot of current ski stuff. I just have to go back to the skier who, like, changed my life as far as, like, this is what girls can do. And she's the first female I remember seeing in a ski magazine that was, like, really skiing. And that's Lindsay Dyer. And what's cool is we actually spent a week on a boat together in Alaska a few springs ago. So shout out to you, Lindsay. Um, You show me what's possible for women. You're like, you held it down and you still do. You still rip. And she's a recent mom and she's awesome. She's also, when I tore my ACL, she was like so supportive and like really reached out to me and was like, you've got this. I've been there and we had some good talks about it. So um, I'm not going to like come up with like the newest gear. I'm just going to stick to the gear that kind of like transformed uh, women in my mind as far as the ski industry at that time. Fair enough. Do you have a favorite mountain biker? I guess I'm just going to like shout out like Katie Holden and Casey Brown and all the women who are doing stuff with formation right now. Mm-hmm. I think it's so unreal to see um, the sport being progressed like that and to kind of be carving out this space for women specifically. And I watched a bunch of formation this year and I was just like riveted. Mm-hmm. It was so epic. So yeah, all those women are incredible. That's pretty good. All right, mm-hmm. we're giving you a nine for that one. Thank Are you. you keeping score, Luke? Yeah. All right. <laughs> That's why I'm on my phone. All right. What's the stupidest thing you've ever done? This is a tough one. I've done some stupid stuff. <laughs> but not open a meth lab when you were in high school. I haven't opened a meth lab. I don't know. Like, I spent three months in a foreign country on, like, no money. And it just, like, resulted in, like, a lot of really sketchy moments and, like, making decisions that were, like, leading to... 14-hour third-class bus rides where I was, like, clearly the only tourist on the bus and um, ending up in hostels that had a lot of bed bugs and ended up at a farm that provided me with, like, a really bad case of scabies. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) so I feel like just, like, trying to, like, really pull off my dream trip on no money led to, like, some sketchy decisions, but also a lot of growth with great discomfort comes personal transformation oh my god you're trying to turn your stupidest thing you've ever done into like an uplifting learning moment this isn't gonna go well for you all right um yeah so i think like there's just like i wanted to do certain things ended up just like traveling with very little money and not getting to do all the fun tourist stuff and instead just being like sad with scabies (laughs) sad with scabies (laughs) Um, that could be the title of your autobiography. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Related question from our Monday conversation. You promised that you would tell us more about jungle farming with scabies, snakes, and scorpions. Yep, true. So that's a little bit of the same story I was just mentioning. Um, I was really into farming. There's a really cool program called Wolf Mexico. So this is worldwide opportunities on organic farms and farmers will just like post that they need help. And so for exchange of room and board, you can go work for farmers. And so I did this in the Yucatan jungle uh, with my partner at the time and actually ended up on a really cool farm with really cool people. But the overall setting was all, I mean, not, I'm not made for that setting. Let's just put it that way. Um, So like, the guy we were working with got uh, bit by a hognose pit viper. Um, we were like an hour, maybe two hours from any like formal care. Uh, we were just like have to like hitchhike into town anytime we needed something. And I think my first like three hours there, uh, the guy was like, can you just like put these palm fronds down at, on the chicken coop to um, give them new bedding? And so I was like, yeah, that's a reasonable task. 
and just start like picking up these palm fronds and there's just like scorpions just like spilling out of them (laughs) and thankfully the chickens like saw the scorpions like often before i did because they would like pounce on them and like eat these like huge scorpions whole the chickens are eating scorpions huge scorpions like in one big gulp (laughs) so thank you chickens for repeatedly saving my life um and i was like staying in this like open air like palapa so just like a thatched roof but like no walls or door or like any formal closure from like the surrounding jungle so you're in a gazebo yeah (laughs) we call those gazebos (laughs) living in a gazebo and like first night there like look up and there's like snakes like all up in the like in the palm fronds and i'm sleeping in a hammock with a bed bed, uh bug net thankfully the bug net is like the only reason i'm still alive like for sure would have probably died that trip (laughs) um and yeah just like would like wake up and like on my bug net would be like a scorpion at like face height and just like kind of a rough time but like really cool like i look back fondly (laughs) (laughs) sounds like significant character building for sure i want to see videos of chickens eating scorpions anything chickens are amazing i mean that just they're straight up like dinosaurs so yeah (laughs) i mean you made that you made that claim in our last conversation and i was like really okay and i guess the fact that chickens eat scorpions i'm like all right that pushes you closer to dinosaur status what was the name of the snake that the dude got bit by? A oh. hog-nosed pit viper. Here's the thing. Some ski manufacturer listening to this right now needs to name a ski hog-nosed pit viper. Yeah. And collab with pit viper sunglasses, I, I think. Maybe. <laughs> natural. I just like, this needs to happen. So we're throwing it out there. The first ski manufacturer to like slap up the graphic of their ski with the hognose pit viper on it. We've got a name for your model. Yep. It's better than a lot of the names we see coming out, you know, sometimes. So like Yeah, and you could have a six snake graphic. Mm-hmm. So. Six snake graphic. And then on the bases you could have a picture of a chicken eating a giant scorpion. So yours is just a free idea <laughs> here on Gear Thirty. Yeah, and welcome. uh so let, let's see if anybody let's see if anybody comes through. Okay. So nothing against the jungle. I'm just not made for it. Nothing against the jungle. <laughs> I like how you're like apologizing to the I jungle. I don't want to offend people who love the jungle. Do you feel offended, Luke? No, I don't like the jungle. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That was like a bonus question, but I, I feel like that's... that's well, you didn't rank the dumbest thing she's done yeah, either. So that I was think we combined uh, those. Right. Well, that was like, okay. So jungle story, that was like a nine. Stupidest thing, that was like a three. Great. So six. 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 Okay. What a wonderful average. <laughs> yeah, pretty average. What are you better at than Sam Shaheen? Don't say boot fitting. Oh, I was going to say boot fitting. <laughs> um, I don't know. I haven't hung out with Sam in so long. Well, you better hurry up because you're, you're at a zero of an answer right now. This is really going to harm your score. Oh, God. I think just like my general, like when we were at OR, I was like, I have better fashion sense than you <laughs> oh my god strong take me. that is a strong take because <laughs> sam like kind of prides himself on his fashion I know. sense sam you dress really well sorry Wait, you can't do why do you you come with a hot take and then you immediately back it up with like but like i'm sorry i actually think like all my years in like retail and like see i just i actually think that I have a better sense of fashion. Well, it would have been better if you would have just left it at that and then not started uh, talking. I think what she's saying is it's 
Sam set a high bar and she's just exceeded yeah. it. I'm just really cocky in this moment. <laughs> <laughs> You're not that cocky, but um, oh, I wish you just wouldn't have said the last thing about how he has good fashion sense. Um, I'd like the part where you're like, I have better fashion sense than <laughs> Sam. So maybe since we were talking about our bad memories, maybe I'll just pretend I didn't hear the second part, in which case I'm giving that like a nine. Thank you. But please stop ruining your answers, okay? <laughs> uh, we already know you're most picky about Ski boots. Well, and specifically insoles. Mm -hmm. Okay. What are you least picky about? Um, Mountain bike or ski, I guess is. I guess base layers, which sounds weird, but I think because I am so used to skiing every single day, especially like working in shops when you're like, you have a two hour ski break, go. Mm -hmm. I'd be in like gotcha. whatever leggings and like whatever shirt and like really not base layers, like not even made for base layers. Yep. And I was like, I'm going skiing. And so I'd be like leaving in my yoga pants with like my like whatever sweater and yep. like definitely not optimal. Um, I think on like really like technical days of like backcountry skiing, yeah, I'm going to be wearing a good base layer kit. Yeah. But most of the time I can kind of just get out there and do all right. I like that answer a lot actually because the whole like you got to maximize your break in a yeah. ski shop so you're just running out the door. Okay. And with Taos, I always, I had to get five to six West Basin hikes every ski break. And if I wasn't doing that, I was mad. <laughs> so that usually meant I had like about like 18 minutes to get kitted out and to get back into my gear at the end of that ski break. And so it was a quick transition. I got pretty good at it. Wow. All right. It's time to ask you about your favorite books, movies, and musicians. Which do you want to start with? do books books are my favorite books are your favorite of the three okay um top three favorite books uh number one would be you can't be neutral on a moving train by howard zinn really good book uh it's just like reminds me to be hopeful because incredible change can occur within lifetimes i don't know this book by oh, zinn. what so what good. like is this nonfiction biography yeah. it's like his autobiography it's okay. his autobiography yeah so he's actually like tracking all the like movements he'd been a part of throughout his lifetime and kind of like the different ways he had become involved in like the things he had seen change um and it's just like really hopeful like mm -hmm. despite all that he like had tracked as far as the civil rights movement and everything it's just kind of like a very hopeful book what's the title you can't be neutral on a moving train okay Number two book. Um, I think Fire on the Mountain by Ed Abbey. Hmm. I don't love all Ed Abbey. I mean, mm -hmm. sometimes I think he's a little kind of like jaded white dude that I don't know. He's definitely an important writer. I don't doubt that, especially in nature writing. But I really like Fire on the Mountain because it's one of his fiction pieces. And it's great because it's kind of like reminds me how uh, it's like about a rancher trying to hold out on his property and protect his property and like kind of shows me that side of like ranching can be land conservation instead of like the other way around. I think sometimes people think of it as the opposite, but this rancher is trying to hold out his property to prevent industry moving in. And it takes place in Southern New Mexico and it's just a really cool book. So to round out the podium. Uh, Braiding Sweetgrass by mm. Robin Wall Kimmerer. She's an amazing indigenous writer. She, I think really helped like instill, um, just like what traditional ecological knowledge is. So like indigenous ways of seeing the land, a lot of these like new age movements and sustainability and regenerative agriculture and everything, I think position these ideas as being brand new, but realistically they're ideas that indigenous people have practiced for a really, really long time. And she just taught me a lot about like as a farmer, how I can like 
yeah, do things honorably when I'm harvesting and working with the land. And I just love Robin Wall Kimmerer. I think she's an incredible writer. Mm. That's cool. That book has come up a lot in mm. various <laughs> podcasts and conversations. And so, yeah, people should read it. It's a good one. People should it's read beautiful. it. Movies or musicians? I guess we'll go movies. I don't care about movies that much. <laughs> so, uh, I think number one would be I love Wes Anderson. So, like The Life Aquatic or Royal Tenenbaums are some top movies. Um, I also have like a real thing for Quentin Tarantino and like really violent movies too. <laughs> wow. So kind of a weird contrast there, I guess. What's your favorite Tarantino film? Um, I don't know. It's like, I, I guess I'm going to say Django just because it was so epic. Like You're picking Django over Pulp Fiction. Yeah, because Django just like has like, I think deeper messages to it. It's about, okay, well, yeah. Yeah, so like, <laughs> it's like, it's like the violence and everything, but it's also just like, wow, this is fucking profound. So. Yeah. And then lastly, I would say I've watched all the Lord of the Rings movies so many times. So just like the original trilogy. Incredible. <laughs> Lord Did of the you Rings. also read the books or movies first or just movies? This is a weird thing where um, I am obsessed with Harry Potter books. I've read all the Harry Potter books like three or four times. Never seen any of the Harry Potter movies. Uh, I'm obsessed with the Lord of the Rings movies. Have not really read any of the books. Gotcha. I don't know if that's like... I thought you loved books, Kara. <laughs> I know, but yeah. I just like, I can't get into the... I'm sorry, J.R.R. Tolkien, but um, the movies Well, are they've sick. got a new TV show coming up, so you can not read the book for that one, too. <laughs> Perfect. Wow. To, to clarify, I haven't read any of those books. <laughs> I was just curious. I, yeah, I just offended all the bookworms. Yeah, I can't even be a sure. part of them. Yeah, we know who their least favorite blister <laughs> reviewer is. Um, all right, music. I don't know this. I don't have any guesses. Oh, I, I have a really weird music taste. I listen to, like, listen to a lot of like transcendental, like really like meditative music. So like one of my favorite artists is Emancipator. Have you? Okay. It's like great, like great music to focus. Like if I, I can't like always listen when I'm like working. Yeah. Um, but Emancipator is like music that I get like in the zone. Uh, all time favorite is Modest Mouse. I was obsessed with Modest Mouse since I was maybe like 11 years old. Have seen them in concert so many times. Huh. They're like some of their songs like just make me cry because they're yeah. so beautiful. They're amazing. So Modest Mouse forever. And then lastly, um, yeah, I don't know. I, again, just like I have a lot of like kind of weird hippie music I listen to like El Bujo. <laughs> Take like a Spanish twist to Emancipator and you got me. So <laughs> there you have it. You're... I guess I'll say Red Hot Chili Peppers. That's for you, Dad. <laughs> Your dad's a Red Hot Chili Peppers fan? Yeah, we listened to them a lot growing up. Are you a Red Hot yeah. Chili? Okay. I am not. I never I never made that. I'm pretty neutral on them. I just listened to them a lot growing up, so okay. I have to. The nostalgia shout out. Yeah. All right. That's I'm, that's like a seven and a half. <laughs> Luke doesn't care. Yeah. He just, I've just got wants, no say in this. <laughs> just wants the number so he can write it down. I can't wait to see you do the calculation of like, yeah. I, like with Drew. I just was like, I don't know. There was twelve questions. <laughs> this was the number divide by you know yeah, averages. We didn't really take yeah. the median. Sorry, Drew. Give us a random review. All right, I'm gonna give you a review of my homemade red chili. Oh, <laughs> don't screw this up. Please don't screw this up. Okay. If you ever just need to feel home within a, within a one second, 
just take a bite of this chili. It'll warm you so deeply throughout your entire body. You'll feel so comforted, like almost as if you're being hugged from the inside out. Um, any headaches or like congestion you have or anything that's going on, immediately alleviated. You're claiming your red chili has <laughs> healing powers. Correct. I'm actually claiming for like any good solid New Mexican red chili sauce is healing. Okay, wait a minute. <laughs> I've never had red chili from you. Oh, really? Yes. Okay, I'll bring you some in a jar. Okay. Well, <laughs> how does this come an hour and 10 minutes into a reviewing the reviewer? You're like, I'm never giving him red chili until I get my own reviewing the reviewer episode. <laughs> Correct. I've had, I feel like maybe I've had green chili from you. Mm, probably not. Well, I'll cook for you more. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I'm up here telling you I haven't eaten food in four days. <laughs> You're like, that sucks for you. Um, yeah, my mom taught me to make red chili. It's like our family recipe. Like I mentioned, I have a really long New Mexican heritage. Yeah. Really? Say, can Seven, you say? 17 generations. 17 Jeez. generations. On my mom's side of the family. So New Mexican food is a way of life. It's like what we eat at Christmas, yeah. Thanksgiving, like... I mean, I eat red chili almost every day. It, it is healing for me. And if I'm ever like sad, it somehow makes me feel better. Okay. We, and so do you do you prefer, in terms of the stuff you're making, you prefer the red chili versus the green chili? This or? is a great New Mexican question. It's yeah. like the question. Because I only hear about the green chili. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm team red. I'm totally. straight team red. I love green, but like if I'm choosing, I'm going red but i don't know your answer to this if i'm at a good restaurant that does a solid red and green i'm gonna go christmas oh because, see that's wishy-washy well, no, i will never do that i like the contrast i do think they offer like different flavors and different textures well, but like my family's kind of a red chili family mm. like my mom always makes a big pot of red chili at christmas we like mm. literally put it on our mashed potatoes like we like green good. chili but when it comes to like having just like this delicious sauce you can put on everything i'm a little bit more on the red chili side. I love this, but I'm so mad at you right now. <laughs> I'll bring you a jar when you get well, back and like whatever. A month. <laughs> um, I want to get on a subscription plan. Okay. And we need to talk about the subscription p food plan just in yes. general, right? Yes. As soon as you get back, like everything you're eating can come from me. Okay. <laughs> this is this is an unbelievable upgrade to my life situation. Yeah. So like, We'll get on veggies. And that's where like the sunny sage thing plus the red chili. Now I'm in. All right. Red chili. Yep. That's good. So, okay. So, but I'm serious. So okay. again, if this doesn't actually happen and I think of like, wait, that thing we talked about hasn't happened. Like I get four zero. weeks from now, this whole thing goes <laughs> to zero. Yeah. This conversation will disappear. Yeah. Okay. I, you're getting a 10 for that. Um, I mean- we talked about 17th generations, you know, in New Mexico, you also prefer red chili. This I'm, we're getting on the red chili subscription plan here. The healing powers <laughs> of the red chili. That was amazing. So, uh, I mean, if we're, if this were an actual review that we were going to post on our website, it would be a negative 10 because <laughs> yeah. it's extremely biased Super and subjective. using tons of cliche sayings. I used a lot of metaphors. <laughs> yeah. It was so dumb. I know okay. as soon as I started, I was like, this is like a poem to red chili, not at all a review. But Karen knows 
the person who's asking the question yeah. and giving the points. Yeah. yeah. And Red Chili's just that good. Sorry. It's so good. <laughs> and I haven't, yeah, it's been a minute since I've had, okay. way too long since I've had good red chili. I'll okay. make you a smothered plate of vegetable enchiladas when you get back. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Your score is going up. <laughs> and we, ladies and gentlemen, the highest score we've ever had on reviewing the reviewer. It's good old fashioned bribery. Yeah. Yeah, it works. Um, what's the best question we haven't asked you? Um, I guess, I don't know. I'm like, I can be a pretty persuasive person. <laughs> I mean. So like, what's the most persuasive thing I've ever done? That would be the question. And I have my answer. Okay. That's the question. What's the most persuasive thing you've ever done? I was 14 years old with my mom in Las Vegas for a soccer tournament. And I convinced her while we were out to dinner at Macaroni Grill to get matching tattoos with me. <laughs> That's impressive. Yeah. What's Sh- the tattoo? Shout out, mom. <laughs> and Macaroni Grill. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, because, okay, so you know how Macaroni Grill has tablecloths, you can, or like the paper tablecloths with crayons? I've never been to one, but right. I can, I'm familiar with the concept. So it's like draw on the tablecloth effectively. I like came up with the like contract for her to sign about why we were getting these tattoos and why it was so meaningful. And she was down for it. Wow. Yeah. It's like not the most impressive tattoo, so I think. Is I'll it a quit. chick? Is it a chicken eating a giant scorpion? Is no, that... that'd be cool though. Right. Next tattoo idea. Thanks. <laughs> okay. Um. Yeah, it's a little cliche. It's the Japanese symbol for love. We both have it on our right hip. Um. Not like you know, I have other tattoos that I maybe like the design of more, but really good memory and always think of my mom when I look at it. So. Yeah. Nice. I have that same tattoo on my right hip. <laughs> oh, wow. You can be part of the club. <laughs> no, I don't. All right. That's pretty good. Powers of persuasion. I'm going to keep this in mind more generally and see if you're... Jedi mind tricking you. Into yeah. <laughs> yeah. You wake up, you have five new tattoos. <laughs> Gi- giant back tattoo yeah. of a chicken <laughs> eating yeah. a giant scorpion. I, don't think, I based, don't think you'll regret that one. Yeah. Based on this conversation, I don't think you'd have any like... Uh, argument that it wasn't your choice like you seem pretty pretty into the concept already (laughs) i think our work here is done what's the grading for the her own question eight okay we'll let luke tally some things up so while luke tallies some scores i'm going to take this moment to tell people that we are going to be having kara do a bit of a series on gear 30 on boot fitting And we're still kind of sketching that, like what exactly that series is going to look like. Obviously, we've gone super deep on boot design. And if somehow you haven't checked out our very deep dive on ski boots uh, that Matt Manzer and I have done together, uh, what are you doing with your life? This will be interesting to kind of move more into like boot fitting itself. And so that will be coming up uh, this fall. And we're looking forward to that. And we have our series that we're doing on mountain towns and local food. And we have another thing that we can't maybe talk about just yet. So anyway, um, I'm looking forward to all of these things. Me too. Yeah. 
especially when my red chili subscription starts. <laughs> yes. Jonathan's <laughs> personal CSA from Sunny Sage Farm yep. with the red chili add-on. Yep. Yep. And given your powers of persuasion, you're going to be like, this will be $750 a month. And I'll be like, sold because of its healing powers. Yes, if you go long enough without red chili, you'll pay anything. Oh my God, yeah. Um, Luke, how you doing? Uh, so there were 11 graded questions. The numbers on the on the Drew podcast were off. Okay. Uh, it looked like 12. But anyway, Kara got an 87 out of a potential 100, or no, 110, which equates to average score of a 7.9 79 i mean for these i was i got like a 61 (laughs) i think i'll take it but if i got that grade in school man i would be a mess yeah yeah (laughs) well you you clearly need to be more persuasive um (laughs) all right uh 79 there you go cool i have no idea how that ranks yeah that's what Uh, i'm worried do you remember what you got no i i I mean i don't know how many of these we've actually scored i think there's some pretty wild inconsistency in terms of the scoring (laughs) how dare you luke all right let's wrap this up time for our weekly what we're celebrating segment kara do you got anything yeah i just found out i get to go see my partner zach in new zealand it's where he's currently working as a heli ski guide so in three short weeks i'm gonna be back on skis which seems a bit bizarre but i'm ready for it that's awesome yeah very cool country get to see a very cool guy yeah. And you get to go skiing. It all sounds pretty that, good. That's worth celebrating. Yeah, absolutely. Luke, you got anything? Uh, I'm going to celebrate uh, just... So yesterday, I had a fairly big day of... wake. did one of the 5.30 a.m. rides that we talked about yeah. last week. Uh, and then watched a phenomenal bike race. And then rode in the bike park. And then went fishing. And I'm celebrating the kind of the days where you actually feel like really doing as much as you can. Cause sometimes I'm like, I just want to sit on my couch on the weekend, mm-hmm. but I don't think I ever feel as like genuinely happy mm-hmm. at the end of one of those days compared to yesterday when I got to do just about anything I could taking advantage of where we are and the cool trails and rivers. So yeah, it was a good day. Cool. It's perfect. So I am going to celebrate the fact that I am just about to head out to the east coast and when we air this conversation i will be in new england and i'm going to be spending some time in new hampshire and maine and vermont and have quite an itinerary set for that trip so looking forward to that going to see a lot of good people uh out in that neck of the woods and uh i am currently drinking a athletic brewing company upside dawn because i'm gonna go try to sneak a workout in right now but tonight when i am packing for this trip which will probably be taking place at like 2 a.m knowing me that's i would love to be like oh that's gonna happen at 8 p.m and i'm gonna go to bed like a normal person that's never how i mean if you pack the a day in advance regardless i feel like that's pretty good compared to your usual strategy (laughs) (laughs) well don't you still have to but like i have not had time it's been a lot there's been a lot so like i still need to do like laundry and stuff um i definitely haven't like at all unpacked from the last trip like salt lake and park city and sun valley so um anyway i'm i really pray please well you'll have heard this dear listeners late but you two pray for me that i'm not up all night i just tired of being like 
tired. completely <laughs> tired of being tired. Yeah. So, um, but I'm really excited um, for uh, the people I'm going to get to see and the places I will be spending uh, on the East Coast. So, um, yeah, pretty good. Yeah. I think we all got some good things to celebrate. So, and that I think brings us to the end of this spectacular edition of reviewing the reviewer Kara thank you thank you guys yeah uh, I guess this ends shark week at blister aka Kara Kara podcast week so thanks it's been good look forward to hearing more of you soon on some of our various podcasts and so thank you for this conversation Luke you were quite an asset today I thought you actually were fantastic so well done and thank you uh, thanks, of course, to the strikingly handsome Justin Bob, who is probably salivating hearing all this talk about red chili. And um, let's see. Again, please go check out our brand new podcast called Crafted. Um, episode one is up and uh, it's a good one. And we hope you get behind that new podcast. Please subscribe to it. And um, we got already banked some really cool conversations uh, already. I'm recording some more conversations when I am on the East Coast. And so good things going to be happening on that one. So it is called Crafted. Please subscribe. Anyway, have a great weekend, everybody. And we will talk to you again very soon.